Chapter 3 of A Treatise of Earthly Mindedness by Jeremiah Burroughs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fourteen Evils of Earthly Mindedness. The First Evil. First, the Scripture calls it adultery. It is spiritual adultery. In Jude, verse 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? They were adulterers and adulteresses in respect of their love to the world. You that would abhor the thought of a temptation to adultery, yet you may commit spiritual adultery. A man or a woman may be an adulterer or an adulteress before the Lord, though they never commit the act of uncleanness with another, yet if their heart be towards another, they be guilty of uncleanness. For Christ saith, Whosoever doth but look after a woman to lust after her in his heart, he hath committed adultery already that is, hath sinned against that command that forbids adultery. Is it so, that if a man do but let his heart go after another woman more than his wife, and a wife after another man more than her husband, this is adultery before the Lord? So, if our hearts be after anything's more than the Lord Jesus Christ, that we profess ourselves to be married to, and he to be our husband, this is adultery in scripture phrase. The second evil. Yea, further, a worldly or an earthly mind in scripture phrase, is called idolatry. In Ephesians 5.5, 5, speaking of diverse sins that should not be so much as named among them as it became saints, he hath covetousness among the rest, and he adds this, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now what is earthly mindedness but covetousness, which is idolatry? A man or woman is an idolater that is of an earthly mind. Now idolatry, which is a worshipping of stocks and stones, you all account to be a great sin, but do you and all others take heed of another idolatry, that may be as bad, that is, to have your hearts, to make the god of this world to be your god, the cursed mammon of unrighteousness, to make the things of the earth to be your Christ, to fall down and worship the golden calf of the world. It's certain that that thing a man's heart is most taken with and set upon, that's his god, and therefore, here, in this verse, out of which my text is, it's said, they made earthly things, their bellies, their god. The voluptuous and drunkard makes their belly their god, and the unclean person makes his strumpet to be his goddess, and worshippeth that. Whatsoever thy heart is most upon, that's thy god. Therefore, that you must know to be the meaning of the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me, that is, thou shalt give me the strength of thy soul, and nothing else. So, I am a god to my creature when I have its strength exercised about me, to lift up me as the highest good. But if there be anything else that thy soul is set upon as thy highest good, that's thy god. And it's worse than bowing the knee, thou bowest thy soul to that thing. Now the meaner anything is that we make a god of to ourselves, the more vile is the idolatry. As when the Egyptians worshipped diverse sorts of gods, they were accounted the most vile idolaters whereas other heathens worshipped more excellent things, the sun, moon, and stars. The Egyptians worshipped dogs, cats, onions, and vile things, and therefore their idolatry was vile. So the viler a thing is that any man or woman sets their heart upon, the more vile is their idolatry. As for a man that should set his heart upon unclean lusts, now to make that to be a god the satisfying of those lusts, that's abominable. And to make any earthly thing to be a god for us, that's most vile. For of all the things of the works of creation that God hath made, the earth is the meanest, tis the basest and lowest thing, and hath the least beauty in it, in itself, and it is the most dull and meanest element of all, to make earthly things to be a god to you, this is most vile. Objection. You will say for this idolatry, what is there in it? Answer. 
there are two particulars to open the evil of idolatry or earthly mindedness first the evil of your idolatry it is in this you do depart from god in letting out of your hearts to these things you do as it were go off from god and renounce the protection of god the goodness and mercy of god you leave it all by this in the fourth chapter of hosea twelfth verse they are said to go a-whoring from under their god it's a notable phrase that is by going to idols they did go off from the protection of god whereas while they were worshipping the true god they then were under the protection of god but when they went to idols they went from under their god from under his protection so when thou settest thy heart upon god and liftest up the infinite first being of all things as the chief good to thy soul thou art under the influence of his grace and mercy but when thou dost depart from him and makest other things to be thy chief good thou goest from under his protection and from his good and mercy secondly god is slighted and condemned in this when thou choosest rather to make the earth to be thy god than the infinite blessed first being of all things as a man that doth despise his wife and it were abominable sin if he should choose to go to a queen though the most beautifulest woman in the world and forsake his wife but to leave a queen or empress that were the beautifulest woman upon the earth and to have the heart cleave to a base dunghill raker were not this a great contempt to the queen that were so beautiful yet so it is when thou dost forsake the blessed eternal god as thy chief good and choosest the things of the earth for the truth is the earth is the think of all the creatures of god's making and for thee to leave the most blessed and eternal one and to make that thy god it must needs be a very vile and abominable thing and therefore the prophet jeremiah in speaking of this idolatry he calls the heavens and the earth to be amazed at it jeremiah two twelve be astonished o ye heavens at this and be horrible afraid be ye very desolate saith the lord why what's the matter for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water so it is here thou forsakest the fountain of living waters the blessed god and thy heart cleaves to the dust and seekest thy contentment and happiness in cisterns that can hold no water let the heavens be astonished at this horrible wickedness the third evil thirdly earthly mindedness its enmity against god thou wouldst be loath to be found an enemy against god certainly it's a truth and it will be found another day that an earthly-minded man or woman is an enemy to god yea the scripture makes it to be enmity in the very abstract james four four know ye not that the love of the world is enmity to god observe this for there's very much in it if god would be pleased to make us to lay it to heart you will find it by experience that earthly-mindedness doth make men to be enemies to that that is spiritually good therefore well might the holy ghost say tis enmity to god for whatsoever is enmity to anything that is spiritually good it is enmity to god so much as my heart or any of your hearts are against anything that is spiritual so much mine or any of your hearts are enemies to god now here in the very text these earthly-minded men are made enemies to the cross of christ that is enemies to the spiritual preaching of christ and holding forth christ indeed if they would have mixed christ and circumcision together then they would have been content with it but now this spiritual way of preaching christ and being justified by faith alone and the christian religion in the purity of it was that that was not suitable to their carnal hearts and therefore they were enemies to it o earthly mindedness doth make us enemies to spiritual things 
where have you greater enemies unto the things of God, unto spiritual things, unto the ministry of the word, as we had occasion to hint, and to the work of God's grace upon the hearts of men and women, no greater enemies unto these things than earthly-minded men, men that savour the things of the earth, that can go up and down, and care not if they can but load themselves with thick clay, grow rich in the world, and fare deliciously every day with dives, make provision for the flesh to fulfil the lusts thereof, there is an antipathy in their spirits against Jesus Christ and all goodness. The fourth evil. Then, fourthly, there is scarce any disposition more opposite, more contrary to the work of grace, to the work of godliness in a man's own heart, than earthly-mindedness. Tis so exceeding cross to the nature of grace, that it may as well put men or women to be at a stand, and put them upon examination whether there be any grace or no in their hearts, if earthly-mindedness prevail, as almost any other thing. If God should suffer your corruptions to prevail over you, so as you should break forth into some outward notorious sins, then it may be you would begin to think, Can this stand with grace? And how can that stand with such workings as I have had before? Have not I cause to fear that I am but an hypocrite, a rotten professor? But now this earthly-mindedness hath as much opposition to the nature of grace and the power of godliness in the heart as almost any sin that you can name. It is so quite contrary to the very beginning of the work of grace, not contrary to the degrees only, but to the beginning. The main work of God, at the very first, in working grace in the soul, is to disengage the soul from the creature, it is to take it off from the earth and from all creatures here below, for naturally it is true that as we are of the earth, so we are earthly, and have our spirits engaged to the things of this earth, but then comes the work of grace upon the soul, and takes it off, and discharges the heart from the earth, and therefore you find that Christ lays in this as the first lesson, that he that will be my disciple must deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me as if he should say never think of being a christian except you will deny yourselves self what's that all natural contentment natural self and sinful self to be emptied wholly of yourselves and creature comforts and contentments and take up my cross to be willing to suffer anything in regard of earthly comforts to be willing to lay down all at my feet and to give up your interest in all and to take up my cross this is the very first beginning of christ's bringing disciples to himself then saith the soul let me have my sin pardoned and farewell earth its heaven holiness renewing of the image of god communion and union with god and living to the eternal praise of his name in christ that my heart is upon i say this is the beginning of god's working the heart to himself the work of grace when it is full wrought it hath the name of vocation calling what is it for a man to be called give diligence to make your calling and election sure to be called is this, and whereas before thou wert altogether digging and dolving in the earth, and seeking for thy happiness in the world, now it pleases God to make thee to hear a voice behind thee, calling thee, and telling thee, O poor soul, thy happiness is not here, there are other things in which thy chief good consists, thou art made for higher and better things than these. God hath nobler thoughts about mankind than merely to let him have a few contentments here in the earth. O soul, come away and look after higher things." Here's the first work of grace, and the soul answers unto this call of God, and saith, Lord, I come, and so gives up itself to God to dispose of it, and this is in the beginning of the work of grace. Now, how contrary is earthly-mindedness to the work of God in bringing grace into the heart? Conceive it in these three things. 
one the very work of conversion it is set out in scripture by god's calling the soul out of the world whom he hath predestinated him he hath called when god effectually begins to work upon the heart of a sinner he does cause a voice to be heard in the soul o soul thou hast been busying thyself about many things but there is one thing necessary o come out of that way of thine that thou art in thou canst never be happy else thou wilt be undone in it the lord calls the soul out of the world and that i say is the very work of conversion the soul's answering to god's call now for one still to be earthly and to have a heart cleaving to these things surely such a one is not as yet effectually called out of the world two and then from thence follows upon the soul's answer to this call the lord disengages the heart from all creature comforts and teacheth the first lesson to deny himself and to take up christ's cross now what's more opposite to self-denial and the taking up of the cross of christ than earthly mindedness the text saith here they are enemies to the cross of christ and then a third thing in conversion it is the resigning up of the soul to god as the chief good the soul upon the call of god it learns the lesson of self-denial and taking up the cross and so being disengaged from the creature now it resigns up itself to god as an infinite soul-satisfying good for ever now you cannot but in the naming of this see how opposite earthly-mindedness is to it and then for the work of grace upon the heart after the heart is converted and turned to god first grace brings a new light into the soul a spiritual and divine light is set up in the soul upon the conversion of a sinner to god but now the earth you know it's the dark part of the world and earthly-mindedness it causeth darkness to be upon the spirit as the interposition of the earth between us and the sun it doth hinder the sight of the sun from us and so the interposition that there is of earthliness in the soul of man between god and it doth hinder the sight of god from the soul there is a divine light set up in the soul and when as god works grace that doth discover things of a higher and more excellent and glorious nature than those things were that before the heart did so much cleave unto in the second place the scripture sets forth the work of grace by the new creature in the soul all things are made new old things are past he that is in christ is a new creature now earthly mindedness is opposite to the new creation in the soul it's the old man that is of the earth the first man is of the earth earthly and so it is apparent that thou art still only in the stock of the first man of the earth earthly who art an earthly minded man but the second man is the lord from heaven but now thou that art an earthly-minded man or woman art yet but a child of adam of the first man and so art of the earth earthly this is opposite to grace grace works a new creation in the soul thirdly and grace is of an elevating nature raises the heart above itself and above the creature yea above the world in some respect above angels themselves above principalities and powers above all created things grace is of a raising nature but an earthly-minded man sinks down to low and base things and grace fourthly is of an enlarging nature it enlarges the heart so that it cannot be satisfied with any earthly thing though god should give the whole world to a heart that hath grace this would not satisfy that heart why because it is so enlarged by the work of grace the work of grace it is the divine nature the image of god in the soul and therefore works the soul like to god and it's said of god in the fortieth of isaiah that all the nations of the earth are to him but as the drop of the bucket and as the small dust in the balance 
now grace makes the soul to be like god to account all the things of the earth to be as the drop of a bucket and the dust of the balance to be nothing less than nothing fifthly and then grace sanctifies the soul now what is it to sanctify but to take off from all common uses and to dedicate to god as the highest act of all things and therefore the greek word that is for holy it is taken from a participle primitive and a word that signifies the earth as much as to say not earthly and a holy one in the greek language is not an earthly one according to the usual etymology given of it now grace it makes the soul holy it sanctifies the soul it sets apart the soul for god and dedicates and consecrates the soul to god and therefore you see that it is opposite to the work of god in bringing grace into the soul and to the work of grace and the power of godliness in the soul of man this is the great evil of earthly mindedness the fifth evil but fifthly for the discovery of the great evil that there is in earthly mindedness it puts men upon very great temptations and for that we need no other scripture than that in the first of timothy chapter six verse nine saith the apostle there but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare mark that is those that have their hearts so much upon the things of the earth as they are resolved they must have them whatsoever comes of it observe the phrase they that will be rich they apprehend a necessity of the things of the earth they do not only wish and desire oh that we had riches and had the things of the earth but they resolve they must have them upon any terms well if the heart go on in obedience to god in the duties of its calling and if god send in riches and an estate it doth thankfully accept it from god these do not meet with such temptations and a snare as the apostle here speaks of but when the heart is set upon it that it needs must have an estate whatsoever comes on it now they that will be so they saith the apostle fall into temptations and a snare there's dangerous temptations in following after the things of the earth and there is a snare in them that you do not think of for you think only of the bravery of the things of the earth how sumptuously you should live and how fine you should be in your house and clothes and what table you may keep you only think of these things that may give the flesh contentment but you do not think of the temptation and the snare that is in them and those whose hearts are set upon these things they fall into the snare nay temptation those that are earthly-minded have great temptations to shift up and down to strain their consciences for the things of the earth for so it is that while we live in this world god hath made the things of the earth to be as thorns and so they are compared in scripture and it's hard for one to meddle with thorns without pricking his fingers they are as briars and it's hard for the sheep to get among them but she will lose some of her wool and so it's hard for the heart to be busy about the things of the earth but it will be pricked and lose some of its fleece it will fall into temptation and a snare and be catched oh how many men and women that have enlightened consciences and they think sometimes that they would not for all the world do anything against their consciences though they might gain all the glory and riches under heaven well but yet their hearts being earthly when it comes to some particular how ready are they at least to strain conscience and not to attend to the voice of conscience and are willing that conscience should have its mouth stopped for the time indeed if their consciences did plainly tell them that this thing is absolutely sin against god perhaps they would not do it but that were not the snare for tis no snare when i see the danger before me here's a deep pit and if i step a step further i fall into it this is no snare 
but now there are some that are not catched so by a pit that's open but the devil doth lay upon the pit it may some green grass so that they shall not perceive or very hardly perceive the danger thus such as have earthly hearts they fall into a snare and temptation they are put upon straining of conscience and wringing it as much as may be and many shifts that they are put to oh a man when once he's got into an earthly business he knows not how in the world to bear it if he be crossed in it it may be i have gone thus far and i have very great hopes that i shall succeed in it only there is one stop now for him to think that for this one stop i am like to lose all oh it goes to his heart oh but now if you would but strain conscience a little you may get over it presently an earthly man will strain hard but he will get over it whereas now were the heart taken off from the earth though such a man had gone on never so far in a business if there comes a stop in a matter of conscience yea if it were but a doubt that such a thing were sin it's enough to stop him a mere doubt lest he should sin would be enough for to make him say let the business fall if it will there may be a snare in this and i see some cause to doubt now if the heart were spiritual it would be taken off but an earthly mind will go through very many dreadful things and doth not much trouble himself and so doth ensnare himself exceedingly that he may get an estate or preserve it when once he hath got it that's the fifth thing the sixth evil the sixth thing wherein the danger of earthly mindedness consists is this that tis one of the greatest hindrances in the world to profiting by the ministry of the word oh many of you cannot but be convinced in your consciences that you have not profited by the word and sometimes you will complain of the want of profiting under the means oh that you had but hearts to look into the cause of it from whence it is that you profit so little it will appear to come from your earthly mindedness you bring a heart full of the world full of dross with you no marvel though you do not see those spiritual and heavenly things that are in the word when as there is so much dross in your eyes you know travellers in the summer-time travelling in the midst of dust and in company they have not that freedom of their eyes to see things as at another time oh many men come to the word with their thick clay and a great deal of filth that doth clam up their very eyes and dead their hearts in the hearing of the word you know what christ said to martha when mary was sitting at christ's feet and hearing his word but martha was cumbered with many things so it is many times with those that come to hear the word though they are in the presence of christ and have the sound of the word in their ears yet their hearts are cumbered about many things there is a great noise in their hearts they are busied in the world even while they are hearing of the word as you find it in the thirty-third chapter of ezekiel thirty-first verse there is a notable description i fear it may be of many of you and they come unto thee saith the lord to the prophet as the people cometh and they sit before thee as my people and they hear thy words but they will not do them for with their mouth they show much love but their heart goeth after their covetousness they sit before thee as my people and they hear thy words mark and they show much love with their mouth they will commend the sermon it may be they will say he is an excellent preacher it's a very good sermon that we heard this day they will show love with their mouth and yet their hearts go after their covetousness for all that they heard a man speak fine things and brought excellent expressions for to set forth his matter that he had in hand but yet their hearts are after the things of the earth and after their covetousness they had carnal earthly drossy hearts and hence it was that there was no good came unto them by the ministry of the word and that famous place which we have for this which 
shows it clearly in the 13th of Matthew, 22nd verse, you know the several sorts of ground that had the seed of the word sown into them, but there was but one of them that was good and faithful, and among others there was the thorny ground. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I beseech you, observe it, that these our Saviour speaks of here in this parable, that get no benefit by the word, are not men that live lewdly, your drunkards, swearers, and whoremasters, but those that have earthly hearts. It said, the deceitfulness of riches, the things of the earth do not hinder in an open way, for thousands of men that have earthly hearts, they do not know that they have earthly hearts. No, it is the deceitfulness of riches, and it chokes the word. It may be just when they are in the hearing of the word, it doth affect them. Oh, they think it's sweet, and they will remember it, but the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world chokes the word. When they come, they have business about the world and their houses and gardens and comings in and full tables and all the delights that they have in the world comes and possesses the heart that the word is choked. It cannot get down into the soul to sink in there, and so to prevail in the soul to bring forth fruit. Oh, the word is choked. Oh, many of you come here three times in the Lord's day, and have precious seed sown all those times, and yet, oh, how it is choked through the cares of this world, and through the deceitfulness of the things of this world. You bring with you, and keep with you, and carry along with you earthly minds, and hence it is that the word prevails not in your hearts. Oh, what do you lose through this earthliness? You lose the fruit of the word that should save your souls, a spiritual heart, having received some one truth into it, afterwards blesses God for it, and would not for ten thousand worlds, but he had had that truth preached unto his heart at such a time. Oh, he hath cause to bless God for such a morning, for such a day, that he hath had such a goodly pearl of great price presented to him, and taking root in his heart. I say it's more than if God had given them thousands of worlds to possess. But now many of you, having your thoughts and hearts about some pretty thing of this world, all those blessed truths that you hear from time to time that the very angels desire to pry into, they are all choked and come to be unfruitful. What was the reason, when the young man came to Christ, to know what he should do to the eternal life, that he got no good? The text saith that he had great possessions. A man, no question, may be a rich man, and yet a godly man, a holy man, but when the heart is in the estate, mixed with the earth, Oh, this it was that hindered the young man from embracing of Jesus Christ, even when he came to him. Young men, for the most part, are rather guilty of fleshliness than seeking after the riches of the world, yet sometimes it hath been the bane of some young men at their first setting up. They were very forward when they were servants. Oh, how precious was the word unto them! But when they were got into the world and found the sweetness of it coming in, oh, then the world hath been choked to them and they have lost the savour they had in the word. They have lost the relish of the word. It is not now sweet to them as formerly it hath been. Oh, many examples there hath been this way. That's the great evil of earthly-mindedness, that it doth hinder the great benefit of the word, and there is much evil in this. If you had hearts to receive what is delivered, your hearts would tremble at the thought of this. O oh Lord, what shall I be hindered from profiting by this word? Tis a great blessing of God to the world." It's that that must save my soul. There's more worth in it than ten thousand worlds. Whatsoever should hinder my profiting by thy word, I had need take heed of it. Take heed of earthly mindedness. Many of your consciences cannot but tell you this. Sometimes any business will keep an earthly minded man from coming to the word, 
and when he doth come there is earth in his heart and ears that keeps him from attending upon the word and when thy thoughts are about earthly things in the hearing of a sermon it may be there is some truth passes by thy soul that might have saved thee eternally and thou hast lost that opportunity which perhaps thou shalt never have again the seventh evil opened in six particulars further in the seventh place earthly mindedness it causes many foolish lusts in the heart that's a great evil and for that you have the same scripture that was before for the temptations and snare one timothy six nine but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts lusts that are very foolish and simple one as for instance it causes men to follow after things that are very vile and mean it causes men to bestow the strength of their immortal souls about things that have no worth at all in them that's a foolish lust to bestow the strength of an immortal soul about vanities if you should see men that are of excellent parts for to spend their time about trifles and toys as about catching of flies and following of feathers you would say surely they begin to be besotted so for the soul of man that is capable of such excellency as it is of communion with god with the father son and holy ghost for such a soul to have the strength of it spent about such poor trifling things that cannot profit in the evil day oh this is a foolish lust secondly foolish lusts for earthly mindedness causes thee to be a servant to thy servants you would account that man a fool that should be a servant to his servants so god hath made the things of the earth to be a servant to thee and yet thou wilt come and put thy neck under thy servant's yoke and art a servant to thy servant yea were it not a great deal of folly for a man to expect all his honour and respect to come from his servant rather than from excellency in himself as thus suppose a man were travelling and indeed there is respect given to him but it's for his servant's sake rather than his own if he should come to know this this he would account a great dishonour to himself but an earthly heart i say puts himself into such a condition as indeed he makes it to be his greatest honour to have honour from his estate and riches so that men do not respect rich men for any worth that there is in themselves or for any excellency of their own but only for their riches as much as to say a man is not respected for himself but for his servant take some men that have had estates but now they are deprived of them and are become as poor as any almsmen or beggars amongst us who doth regard them then but now let a man have grace and holiness if he were turned out of all and made as poor as job yet he were one that the angels of heaven would look upon with honour and would glory in attending upon him this is the difference between the carnal earthly heart and spiritual heart it's a foolish lust to make himself to be a servant to his servant thirdly it brings into foolish lusts for a man might have as much it may be more of the earth if he did not mind it so much as he doth now for a man to mind the earth and to endanger himself in the minding of it when as he might have it as well without so much minding surely this is a foolish thing for a man to bestow a great deal of labour about a thing when as he might have it with less labour he is a fool surely certainly if you be such as belongs to god especially you may rather expect god to bless you if you kept your hearts more spiritual you might expect that god would grant to you more of the good things of this world if you are less earthly minded than you are and it's your earthly mindedness that makes god cut you short of these things i am verily persuaded there are many men that have ill success in their earthly affairs and it's a fruit of god's displeasure upon them because their hearts are so much upon worldly business 
did you go on in your employment in obedience to god and committed to god for success you might be crowned with more success than you have been now what a foolish thing is this fourthly yea further it's a great deal of folly for any of you to go and buy a thing and to pay a greater price for it than it's worth if you send a servant to buy you commodities and when he comes home you ask him what it cost and he tells you it cost such a price which is ten times more than it's worth you will say thus it is to send a fool to market so an earthly-minded man manifests himself to god and his angels and all the saints to be a fool for why thou bestowest that upon this world that is a thousand times more worth than the things of the world for thou bestowest that upon the world that might bring thee to heaven i may say to an earthly-minded man those thoughts and cares and affections and endeavours that thou dost spend upon the things of the world if they had been spent upon the things of god might have saved thy soul to all eternity thou mightest have got christ and heaven and eternity the lord would have gone along with thee and thou mayest come hereafter to see it at the great day when all things shall be opened before men and angels had i but spent those thoughts and cares and endeavours about understanding the ways and things of god and eternal life my soul might have been saved for ever not that our works will do it but that god would have gone along together with you in such ways as those are now for you to spend thoughts and cares about that that perhaps you shall not have for many men and women spend their souls about the things of the world and never have them this is a sad thing or will not this be folly will you not curse yourselves hereafter for your folly oh that i should spend myself and be spent about that that i have not got neither and i must be damned for that whereas had i spent time about things that concern my soul and eternal life it would have been more like that i should have gotten those things for god doth not fail men so in spiritual things as he doth in earthly things a man may be as diligent as it's possible for any man to be in business of the earth and yet he may miscarry but give me any man or woman that ever was diligent in seeking the things of god and eternal life that ever did miscarry i verily believe at the day of judgment there will not be one man found that shall be able to say lord i did improve what talents thou didst give me to the uttermost to save my soul but lord because i was not able to do any more without thy grace thou didst deny thy grace to me and therefore now i must be damned i believe there will not be any soul that will be able to say so but in the matters of the world men do say so that they have done what they could nay laboured and toiled and yet for all that they miscarry oh what a foolish thing is this then for thee to toil and labour about that which is so uncertain for were it not a foolish thing for a man to bestow all his estate about buying of pebble-stones and that that will afford him no kind of benefit at all this folly is in the heart of man i'll but put this care to you if two of you should go to the indies where precious stones are and one should purchase a lading of precious stones and other rich commodities and the other that carried as much money with him he lays out all his money about baubles and trifles and they both come home laden both went out with the same stock both come home laden and one comes home with precious stones that make him rich and his posterity to be great men the other brings home nothing but a company of pebble-stones which makes him scorned and jeered at by all his neighbours oh how would he be ready to tear his flesh for his folly in this kind this will be the difference between men and women at the day of judgment for the truth is what is this world but a seafare we are here sailing in this world and here we have the market of pearls or else of that hath no worth at all in it when you live in the times of the gospel i say there is a market for pearls for those things that may enrich you to all eternity 
now there's one man he bestows the strength of his thoughts and heart about those things that he shall be blessing of god in the highest heavens to all eternity for and the other man bestows his thoughts and heart upon the things of the earth and lays himself with thick clay as the scripture phrase is and now at the day of judgment when it shall appear he is a man or woman that shall be to all eternity blessed that shall join with angels and saints in the highest heavens to magnify the free grace of god in christ and here's another had that he bestowed but his thoughts and heart about the same things he might have been so blessed for ever but he minding the things of the earth is a cursed fool and is the scorn and contempt of men and angels to all eternity earthly mindedness brings men into foolish lusts the scripture speaks oh though men of earthly minds think themselves the only blessed men i applaud myself at home let men talk what they will but the holy ghost saith that those lusts that are caused by earthly mindedness are foolish lusts fifthly that's folly for a man to do that that he must undo again now especially those earthly-minded men that have this earthliness so to prevail with them as to get anything of the earth by false ways they must certainly undo all they have done you have got so much of the earth in some cunning cheating way and you bless yourselves that you have found out such a mystery of iniquity this is a foolish lust foolish why it must be done again either you must be eternally damned or else you must restore as zacchaeus did if you be able though it be to the impoverishing of yourselves yet it must out again all the sorrow and repentance that can be will not be sufficient thou canst not be pardoned upon all thy sorrow and repentance if thou dost not restore if thou beest able what thou hast ill-gotten i do not know that there was ever any minister of the gospel upon the face of the earth but held this that it was of absolute necessity to salvation to restore and this one reason cannot but satisfy any man's conscience that a man cannot truly repent of a sin and yet wilfully to continue in it now except you do restore you do wilfully continue in it for why you do not only wrong the man the first hour but so long as you keep anything that is his you do wrong him and if you be able to restore and do not because you are loath to part with so much money or so many goods you do wilfully continue in the sin now no man or woman can truly repent of a sin and yet wilfully persist in that sin what a foolish lust is this for a man or woman to go and get the things of this world in such a way as he must undo all again though it be to his shame oh consider what a folly it is you deceitful servants that spend away that upon your lusts that you cheat and cousin your master of afterwards when you come to set up for yourselves you must restore what you have purloined and it may be a great part of your estate must be repaid in way of restitution it must be done there's no gainsaying of it and therefore what a foolish lust it is to be set upon the things of the earth so as to get them in an earthly way sixthly and then foolish observe this one note by earthly mindedness they do lose the comfort of earthly things before they have had them i make it out thus a man or woman that hath carking thoughts about the things of the earth and it may be by their inordinate thoughts and cares and affections after some earthly things they contract much guiltiness upon their own spirits yet after this perhaps god doth give them that earthly thing now when they have got it if they have any light in their consciences their convinced consciences will then reflect thus upon them i have got this indeed oh but have i it with the blessing of god i have it in my custody but i got it dearly it cost me such thoughts and cares and affections before i had it and now i have it i cannot say it comes out of god's love i rather fear that god hath given it me in his wrath because i got it in such a way 
now all the comfort is gone and lost whereas had it come in the way of god and hadst thou given up thyself to god and then providence had brought such a comfort to thee thou mightest have enjoyed much of god in it and blessed god for it the lord hath blessed me in my trading oh i have it from the love of god but now when thy heart was earthly before it came when it doth come thou hast no comfort in it the comfort of all is lost before it comes thou hast spent so much upon it as if a man hath got a thing and after he hath gotten it he thinks thus what hath this cost me it hath cost me a great deal more than it's worth now the comfort of it is vanished the eighth evil earthly mindedness it is the root of apostasy i'll give you but one scripture and compare it with another two timothy four ten there's a notable text that shows how earthly mindedness breeds apostasy tis the example of demas for demas says the apostle hath forsaken me what's the matter having loved this present world it was that that made demas to be an apostate why what was demas before compare this scripture with that you have in the epistle to the colossians and you shall see what he was before this time he was a forward disciple of paul and the apostle had some good esteem of him in the last to the colossians fourteenth verse mark there in that epistle where paul was directed by the holy ghost luke the beloved physician and demas greet you paul doth rank demas here among the famous professors of religion the apostle writing to the colossians saith demas greets you among the rest when we send to our friends and say such a one commends him to you we use not to name them except they be entire friends so it appears and i find that interpreters severally do think it was the same demas and the word gives us some ground for this for in timothy you find that he names luke there too it seems that demas and luke were two great associates and paul mentions them together when demas had forsaken him yet luke rode with him and when paul sends them greeting of luke that was the beloved physician he sends the greeting of demas too but now one was truly godly and whatsoever sufferings paul met withal one cleaved to him and would not forsake him but when paul begins to suffer and demas thought that there's no thriving for me if i should follow this persecuted apostle demas now would have no more of paul he thanks him for his company and fairly departs from him he hath forsaken me and what's the root of it he hath embraced this present world and that's another note that though he was a forward professor yet the heart of paul was not so much for him for he saith luke the beloved physician and demas greet you he doth not say the beloved demas it's true demas was a forward professor and did seem to wear a cloak of religion but paul was directed by the holy ghost only to speak of him as a professor but in that the holy ghost directs him to speak of two together that were two companions and gives one an epithet beloved and the other only his name by this we may gather that those that have discerning spirits may show some kind of sign in those that are earthly at least to darken their esteem of them and to make them somewhat jealous of them as now there's two men and both very forward and two companions together yet those that are godly old disciples can savour one more than the other indeed they are both professors and both have excellent parts and gifts and yet there's more spiritualness and greater experience in one than in the other so it appears there was in luke rather than in demas and indeed your earthly-minded men afterwards proved to be apostates usually before their grand apostasy do manifest some deadness and waywardness of spirit to that that's good yea their spirits before discover themselves to be earthly spirits they smell of the earth as a man before he dies his breath will smell very earthly 
you will say, oh, such a one cannot live, his breath is so earthly. So it is with those that are very great professors of religion, that those that have intimate acquaintance with them, before they do apostatize, they smell their breath to be earthly in their duties, in their conferences. Oh, take heed of earthly mindedness, lest it be the root of apostasy. This may be written upon many an apostate's grave. This was an earthly-minded man or woman in the midst of their profession. And hence it is that they fell off from the truth in times of danger. When they were brought to the trial, they were base backsliders from God and his truth. The ninth evil. Earthly-mindedness doth wonderfully dead the heart in prayer. It sinks the spirits of men and straightens them in spiritual duties. Yea, and indeed doth defile every duty of religion, in the hundred and nineteenth psalm, thirty-seventh verse, David, you shall find praise there to God, that he will turn away his eyes from beholding vanity, and that he would quicken him in his law. Certainly by the vanity that he speaks of there, he means the things of the world, and by his eyes he understands the eyes of his mind, chiefly the working of the thoughts of his heart after earthly things. For if you will cast your eyes but to the thirty-sixth verse, saith he there, Incline my heart to thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. O Lord, let not my heart be inclined to covetousness. Afterwards, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, to the end that my heart may not be inclined to covetousness. Lord, let not my thoughts be busied about such vain things, but quicken me in thy law. As if he should say, Lord, while my mind is turned to vanity, or my heart to covetousness, after the things of this earth, I always find my spirit dull and heavy in any holy duties. I have no quickness at all in my inward man when I come in thy presence, and by experience I find this to be the cause that my heart is so drossy, because my thoughts and mind are set upon earthly things that are but vanity. Therefore, Lord, let not mine heart be inclined to covetousness, nor mine eyes looking after vanity, but turn away mine eyes from these things, and quicken me in thy law. If you would have your hearts quickened in God's law, in the duties that God sets you about, take heed of your eyes that they look not after vanity, and your hearts that they follow not after covetousness. For an earthly spirit will be a dead spirit, as the element of earth, it's the sluggishest and deadest element of all. So earthliness in the heart makes the heart sluggish and dead, and listless to any holy and spiritual duty. I appeal to your consciences in this, when you have let out your hearts after the things of this earth, and been exercised in the world, in abundance of businesses, when you have come to enjoy communion with God, oh, how dead have you found your hearts! A drossy heart must be a dead and a straight heart in heavenly exercises. You complain many times of your vain thoughts in performance of holy duties. You cry out of dead spirits then, but there lies the cause. You have given your hearts up so much to the things of the earth at other times, and hence, when you should come to have converse with God, your hearts are so dull and straight as they are. Look at this to be the ground of it. This is the great root of all. It lies here in your earthly mindedness. Oh, how many prayers have been quite spoiled with an earthly heart, whereas such as have had spiritual hearts have enjoyed blessed communion with God at the throne of His grace, and have been sweetly refreshed as a giant with wine, the while thou hast gone with a dead heart, and continued so there, and came away with as dead an heart, without any quickness and life, and this is that that comes by thy earthly mindedness, which is such a remora and pullback to duties. The Tenth Evil Earthly mindedness is so great an evil, wheresoever it prevails, as it were just with God that thy name, who art so earthly minded, should be written in the earth. I say those that are earthly minded, and have this sin prevailing upon their hearts, and are not sensible of it, 
they have cause to fear lest God should write their names in the dust, yea, lest God hath already written their names in the earth. In the seventeenth of Jeremiah, thirteenth verse, we read of such an expression, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from thee shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. It is apparent that he speaks of earthly spirits here, for in the eleventh verse he saith, As the partridge sitteth on eggs, and hatcheth them not, so he that getteth riches, and not by right, shall leave them in the midst of his days, and at his end shall be a fool. And then he goes on and describes the excellency of God and his sanctuary. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary, etc. As if he should say, There are a company of foolish vain men that seek after nothing but getting riches and the things of the earth. But a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, we see an excellency in thee and in thine ordinances, and thy sanctuary, O Lord, the hope of Israel in whom there is such excellency. Is there any that do forsake thee, who hast so much excellency in thee? who art the hope of Israel, O Lord, just it were, that their names should be written in the earth, that they should never come to partake of those good things that there are in thee, the excellent things that there are in thine ordinances and in thy gospel, but, Lord, let their names be written in the earth. An earthly spirit, I say, may fear, lest the name of it be written in the earth, lest God write something concerning such a man or such a woman. Earth shall be their portion, and their mouths shall be filled with earth one day, and that's all the good that they shall have from the Almighty. All those who have known God and the things of eternal life, they cannot but apprehend this to be a sad and a grievous evil for their names to be written in the earth. The eleventh evil. An earthly-minded man hath the curse of the serpent upon him. What was that? Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat. Thou hast the curse of the serpent. Thou grovelest upon the earth, as it were, upon thy belly, thy soul cleaves to the ground in a sinful way, and dust thou feedest upon. While the saints are feeding upon Jesus Christ, upon the very flesh and blood of Christ, when they are refreshing themselves with the hidden manna, angels' bread, corn from heaven, thou art satiating thyself with the earth. That's thy food, and that's the very curse of the serpent. It's a sign of a serpentine brood of the old serpent to be groveling upon the earth and to feed upon it. The Twelfth Evil Earthly mindedness is a dishonour to God and a scandal to religion. What, shalt thou profess an interest in Christ, and are there no higher things to be had in God than such base things as thy heart is upon? What, thou dost hold forth the everlasting gospel in thy hand to others, and dost openly profess a nearness to God more than others, and is there no difference between the workings of thy heart and the workings of others after the things of this world? Oh, how does this darken the excellency of grace? If there be any grace at all, it very much clouds it, as the mixing of earth and drossy stuff with pure metal. It takes away the excellency of the pure metal. So the mixing of earth with the profession of religion blemisheth the beauty and splendour of the profession of religion. Thou wilt never be the man or woman that is like to convince any by thy conversation. Thou art never likely to be a means to draw any to the love of the ways of godliness, because there is so much darkness and earthliness in thy conversation. Oh, will they say, Indeed, he or she makes a great blaze in the world, and talks much of religion, and of ordinances and such things, but as worldly as any, and grovelling in the earth as much as any. People that are standers-by will think that profession is but a mere verbal thing, or a mock show, when as they see as much earthliness in your conversation as in the conversation of those that are without. 
you do bring an ill report on the things of god as the spies did upon the land of canaan whereas every professor of religion should endeavour to put a lustre upon religion and to make the ways of god to be beautiful amiable and glorious in the eyes of all that do behold them but now to give a lie to your gospel profession by your earthly conversation it is a very great scandal to the name of christ that is upon you and to his gospel that you seem to stand up for oh there's a great evil in this and a very ill report comes upon the ways of religion by this means many that have had little religion in them yet have some kind of generousness of spirit so that they scorn such base sordidness as some sorts of professors are given unto oh for shame let not those that have only common gifts of nature and education outstrip you that seem to be the followers of christ away with that base muddy earthly saving pinching disposition it becomes none but judas that carried the bag and betrayed his lord and master for eighteen shillings and four pence let me argue with you you that have to deal with any friends or neighbours that you yet are afraid have not the power of godliness in them as you desire but yet you see they have much ingenuity and generousness and publicness of spirit in them for public good take heed of scandalising such men for certainly such men if they could be brought to the love of religion and to the power and strictness thereof had they the work of the holy ghost upon their hearts to humble them for sin and to show them the excellency of jesus christ they would be glorious instruments in the church of god and commonwealth and therefore it's a very great evil to scandalize such men as these no you should labour to walk so as they might see a beauty and excellency in the ways of religion by your conversation oh better a thousand times better that you be cut short of these things in the world than that you should scandalize the ways of god and the profession of the name and gospel of jesus christ the thirteenth evil earthly mindedness it doth exceedingly hinder preparation for death and it is like to make death to be very grievous and terrible to them when it comes that are like the rich fool in the gospel in the twenty-first of luke the thirty-fourth verse this i have from the scripture take heed to yourselves christ here speaks to his disciples lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life he puts them together it's very strange you will say that christ should speak this to his disciples to forewarn them of this we do not think that they were drunkards so as to follow after taverns and alehouses or to reel in the streets but by this drunkenness he means any excess in the use of the creatures in meat or drink and professors of religion may be subject to that to give up themselves too much to sensual delights and excess in the use of the creature but besides that though many there are that would abhor gluttony and drunkenness yet the cares of this life takes up their hearts therefore saith christ take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with the cares of this life why what evil would the overcharging of the heart which the cares of this life bring mark saith the text and so that day come upon you unawares for as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth watch ye therefore and pray always etc i may apply this to death though the scripture be speaking of christ's coming now in the time of death christ comes particularly there is a particular day of judgment at the day of death it may likewise be applied to the time of any affliction and then it may be enlarged thus and so then the evil of earthly mindedness appears in this that it doth hinder the preparation of the soul for afflictions o oh, earthly mindedness will make thine affliction to be grievous and heavy to thee an affliction is a very grievous thing to an earthly spirit 
if god comes to take away any comforts of this world now because thy heart cleaves so close to them there must be a rending of them from thee and that will put thee to pain a man that hath his garments loose he can easily put them off when he goes to bed at night but if a man hath a sore upon his body and his inward garments shall cleave to the sore if he pulls them off then it puts him to a great deal of pain oh then he cries out of his pain truly this earthly mindedness comes from distemper of spirit and the things of the earth they cleave to the hearts of men and women that are earthly as the inward garment should cleave to a sore on a man's body and now when afflictions or death comes to take the things of the earth from them or them from the things of the earth oh it's painful to them it's grievous to them and for one that hath an earthly spirit a hundred to one if he hath any light of conscience left in him but his conscience will trouble him in time of sickness and then tell him how he hath spent his time and strength of his spirit about the things of the earth whereas they should have been spent about more excellent things and when he comes to die then his spirit will be troubled i am now to leave all these things that i have spent my care and thoughts upon and let out my heart about and what good is it to me now that i shall leave so much more than my neighbour doth what great content is this to me when i am upon my sick and deathbed what comfort can i have in all the good things i have enjoyed yes it may be through the earthliness of my spirit i have enjoyed but little of them but i have had carking thoughts about them but now death is like to be to me as a strainer that strains out the good and leaves the dross and the dirt behind it and so all the things of this world is gone but the guiltiness that i have contracted upon my spirit with my immoderate care and affections that i have let out upon the world that now is upon my spirit oh death hath been very grievous to worldly spirits i remember there's one that lived in a place not far from the place that i have formerly lived in a covetous earthly spirit when he wants to die calls for his money and falls a-swearing must i leave you now speaking to his bags and hugging of them what must i leave you now an earthly man that had spent his spirits and strength upon these things and indeed let out his heart to them as his portion and then he sees that he must be stripped from all must bid an eternal farewell to all no more houses nor lands nor coming in nor money oh death is grievous to such a one now what should be the life of a christian but a continual preparation for death many of the heathens said of philosophy that it was but a preparation for death a special excellency of christianity consists in this that it is a preparative for death and therefore you should let out your hearts in the things of this world so as to be continually thinking of death that when god calls you to depart from these things that you may do it with ease with as much ease as a man when he is going to bed casts off his clothes that are loose about him for so the grave is as a bed to the saints where they fall asleep when they die and so they may lay down all things and go to their sleep with ease and peace a man or woman that can have their consciences tell them i have been diligent in my calling but god knows through faithfulness to him rather than love to the world and i have kept my heart close to god and faithful to him i can bid the world now farewell as the world hath done with me so i have done with it so long as my time was to work for god god continued those things that this frail nature of mine had need of and now my work is done farewell the comforts of this world i expect other kind of comforts that i am now going to so such a one that is spiritual may die with comfort but those that have their hearts overcharged with the cares of this life they will have the day of christ come upon them unawares the fourteenth evil 
earthly mindedness is that that will bring destruction at last it will drown thy soul in perdition there's those two texts for it the first is here in this very scripture wherein my text is saith the apostle here speaking of men who mind earthly things whose end is destruction they are both joined together earthly mindedness will bring destruction at last and the forenamed place that for other purposes we have had in one timothy six nine where the apostle speaks of bringing them into snares and foolish lusts saith he which drown men in destruction and perdition some that are washing themselves in the thames go a little way at first and then venture a little further and further and at length they are over head and ears and there they are drowned and cannot recover themselves so it will be with your hearts if you look not to them you think you may venture so far in the things of the world why are they not good and in themselves lawful i get not my estate by wrong cheating and cousining and so by degrees your hearts are stolen away from god and taken with these earthly things and ye get deeper and deeper into the world till at length you are plunged over head and ears before you are aware and you cannot recover yourselves that man or woman that will give their hearts to the things of this world and think that they will go no further but thus and thus far a hundred to one but when once these things have taken up their hearts they get more and more advantage till they be even drowned in destruction and perdition a man or woman may be undone by earthliness and be damned and perish eternally as well as by adultery or drunkenness murder or by any notorious sin many that are great professors of religion it's very like that this will be the sin by which they will perish to all eternity the earthliness of their minds do not please yourselves in this that because you keep from those gross and notorious sins that others live in therefore you hope to be saved your earthliness may damn you as well as anything else as upon dunghills you cast not only filthy carrion and such nasty stuff but your dust that is swept out of your houses i may compare hell which is the place where god casts those damned out of his presence it is as it were the common dunghill upon which filthy creatures are cast now upon that dunghill there are not only carrions and filthy blasphemers and whoremasters and thieves those are as it were the dead dogs carrion but likewise there will be dust cast upon that dunghill and scrapings that are from your houses will be cast upon the dunghill of hell from the presence of god and therefore satisfy not yourselves in this that you do not live in such filthy abominable lusts as others do but if you have foul earthy hearts you may be cast upon the dunghill as well as those that have lived most notoriously wicked and therefore take heed of earthly mindedness end of chapter three